Hey, Genrev, I hope you've had a great week, um, and I hope that you're all enjoying the last few parts of your summer uh, as we prepare to get ready to go back to school uh, with new guidelines and and and, and protocols that are going to have to be taken uh, while we're still in this COVID-19 pandemic stuff. Um, but I want to say welcome to our uh, next part of our series. We're in week two of our new series of Not So Famous. Um, and last week we talked about a Roman soldier who had incredible faith. And although he might seem like a small player uh, in comparison to people like jo uh, Joshua and Moses, we learned a lot from his story. One of the problems we have with people historically, especially in the Bible, is that there are so many people who share the same name. Uh, for example, if I were to talk about Joseph, and I know I'm not talking about myself, uh, but I'm if I was to talk about the younger brother who had a crazy dream, or do I talk about the guy who was married to Mary uh, and taught Jesus how to do carpentry work? Um, speaking of Mary, there's a lot of Marys in the Bible too, uh, which makes it a challenge to keep them all straight. And even though Ananias is not really a popular name, it does refer to that name three different times and to three different people. Um, and we're going to look at one of those in particular in the book of Acts. Uh, so to clarify, we'll be in the book of Acts chapter 9. We're not talking about the man who lied about his offering along with his wife and died in, in Acts chapter 5. Although that is a strange and interesting story. Uh, and we're also not talking about the Ananias in Acts chapter 22 through 24, who was a Jewish religious leader. We're talking about Ananias, who usually gets skipped over because he shadows one of the famous people in this story and really in the history of the Bible. Um, so before we do that, let's pray. And... Uh, then we'll dive right into Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. So let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you. God, we ask that you would just be in the midst of everything today. Father, we just come boldly to your throne room and just sit in your presence. We ask, God, that you would speak to us right here and right now. And God, as we prepare for the, ne the next season that's coming up, uh, we ask, God, that you would just be in control of everything. And we would trust you and lean in our wisdom into you. God, there's no one like you. And so we just continue to follow your will daily. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Acts chapter 9, verse 10 through 17 says this. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Taurus, excuse me, Tarsus, named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. Ananias exclaimed, but Lord, I've heard pe many people talk about terrible things that this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. 
Right there, Ananias stops God and says, oh, wait a second. I know who you're talking about. And uh, this guy persecutes Christians. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that, God. But God does something later on in the story. Let's keep reading. <clears throat> and he is authorized by, by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. So Ananias lets God know, hey, look, man, I'm not comfortable with this. Um, I don't want to do this. Um, but the Lord said, go for Saul. Go, excuse me. Go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as the people of Israel. So God has a plan for this guy, Saul, to take the gospel to the Gentiles, which that's a good thing because that would be us. If you're not of Jewish, Jewish culture or your uh, Jewish birthrights, you would fall into the category of Gentile. And Saul is the main reason why uh, that Gentiles receive the gospel. Later he gets renamed as Paul, but we'll see why here in just a little while. But right now, for the sake of this story, his name is Saul. Ananias is going to speak to Saul uh, in the house of Judas. So here, here's what it says. God continues, says this, And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and he found Saul. He laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell, off, fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and he was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is indeed the Son of God. Now, you may have started off this story wondering who Ananias is, but you probably already know who Saul was, and I've kind of explained a little bit about who he was. Now, Saul can be confused with a messed up king in the Hebrew Bible, but he's not. This Saul is the man who was later named Paul, and he wrote most of the documents in the Christian Bible in the New Testament. But Ananias seems to just be a supporting role in this story, uh, and Jesus and Paul being the main characters. However, there is much to learn from this, and there's a lot to be challenged by, uh, by in this life of Ananias and what little we know about him. We know he is a believer. One, we know he is a believer. And we know that he lives in Damascus. And we know that God spoke to him in a dream. And even though Ananias is hearing directly from God, when he hears the name Saul, he allows his fears and prejudice of this man to cause him to argue with God. Now, I don't know if you've ever argued with God before. I have. Um, usually the argument doesn't last long, and that's the case here. The argument didn't last long for, for uh, Ananias. When God tells Ananias to go, he obeys. Um, now, I, I want you to kind of put yourself in Ananias' shoes. He's telling God, look, I'm, this guy's like, 
known for persecuting Christians. I'm kind of scared. Don't really want to do this. I'm not comfortable with it. And yet God tells him to go. And Ananias, being the believer that he is, he go, he went ahead and trusts God and goes. Now, I wonder if there was still some fear and doubts in his mind in his, and in his heart as he walked along that path. Um, he finds Saul and everything happens as God said it was going to. God said it was going to happen a certain way, and that's exactly what happened. And so Saul regained his sight, and he was baptized. Um, now, we don't know for sure, but it very well could have been Ananias that baptized him. Um, but we're not sure. It doesn't say that directly in the scriptures. But I wonder what those days were like while Saul and Ananias were with the other believers in Damascus. Just imagine the conversations. We may not hear a specific message from God in a, in a dream, though it's possible. It is possible to hear God speak like that. Um, one, one of the coolest stories that I've ever told uh, is, is actually my personal testimony where I heard God speak in an audible voice. Um, and it, it got my attention, guys. Um, now, did it take some time? For me to actually believe that God was actually telling me the right thing then and there. Yeah, it took me some time and I finally got through it. Um, and here we are today in this day and age. And God is still using me in new ways um, to spread the gospel uh, with learning camera systems and sharing things on Facebook and, and live streaming and, and ministering to youth as well. Um, so it's, it's been a fun ride so far and I can't wait to see what God's going to do in the upcoming seasons. Um, but however, he has given us clear instructions to love other people, especially those we consider our enemies and those who we may be afraid of or have prejudice towards. For an example, we can see that God can do great things. When we overcome fear and prejudice in obedience to him. When you look at Ananias, we see that. I wonder if 20 or 30 years later, Ananias said something like, Man, I knew Paul when he was, before he was famous. I knew him when he was the notorious Saul, persecuting Christians. I knew him when he was a sinner. I wonder... If that's how Ananias said things after he saw what Paul did for the gospel later on. How different would the world be today? It, because Ananias played a significant, even though it was a small part, he played a significant part in the growth of the church. Think about it. If Ananias didn't obey God, do you think we would have everything that we have today as, as Gentiles? Paul would have, I mean, God would have probably intervened at some point, but it would have delayed the plan of God if Ananias wouldn't have just said, okay, fine, God, I'll go do it. If Ananias would have just been like, no, this is somebody else's problem. You deal with him or uh, send somebody else, but it's not me. Um that who knows how long it would have delayed uh, the Gentiles receiving the gospel. 
But praise God, Saul, excuse me, Ananias was a faithful man and did what God asked him to. So what about us? Do we still have fears, prejudice today? You don't have to read much in the news or look very far on our wall of sticky notes to see that we do. So what can we learn from Ananias? There are three key things that I see from his life that can help us today. Number one is this, that God command, God's commands don't always make sense to us. God's command for my life was mold the youth into my image. I had no idea what that meant at the age of 18, 19 years old. I'm kind of getting an idea what it means now, but it looks a little different than I thought it would. Um, but God's commands don't always make sense to us. Number two is God can handle our questions, doubts, fears, and prejudice. I can tell you firsthand that God is definitely handling all the fear, all the doubt, uh, even some prejudice that I've had with people. Uh, he's definitely handling it. And a lot of the questions, too, that I've had um, in this season of my life. Number three is we should do what God says, whether or not we feel like it or want to. I'm so glad I finally decided to follow what God had for me. I didn't feel like it. I didn't want to when I was younger. And uh, it definitely hindered me in the long run. Uh, but now I'm seeing the blessing of God on a lot of different areas of my life. Uh, for one, I'm getting married. I never never expected that to happen anytime soon. I was never ready for it. Um, and in the previous year, God has shown me that I am ready for it. And uh, I, I'm just excited for it. And God has blessed me with a, a beautiful uh, fiance and soon-to-be wife and Amber. And uh, just a beautiful spirit, beautiful soul. And uh, not only do we get to do ministry together and youth ministry, but uh, we both love to worship God. And we both have a heart for people. Um, so I just, I'm, I'm so blessed to call her my fiance and soon I will get to call her my wife. And I look forward to that day. September 26th can't get here any faster. Um, and we're just, I'm just excited for it. I know she's excited for it. I may not show it as, as much as she does, uh, but the nerves are there. It's a new, it's a new life. It's a new lifestyle, but they're good nerves. They're not even like nerves I'm going to mess up. They're nerves of really uh, nerves of the unknown. Um, we know that we're called to ministry, and we know that we're called to do ministry together. Um, just the unknown of what's life going to look like is always scary. Um, but we overcome those fears by trusting God and, and seeing God work in our lives. <clears throat> so to get back to my point, to, we're supposed to do what God says, whether we want to or not. Um, it's just, it makes it easier, guys. 
as you read the kind of instructions Jesus has for us, they go against most of what the world says to do. And they go against what the world says is important. So much about caring more for other people than for yourself. God's word is to care for other people, to pray for other people, to pray for your enemies, to forgive one another. He goes against what is natural to us and the advice most people would give us. Um, God is definitely counterculture. God's culture is definitely counterculture to what the world is today. The world is strive after your own dreams, do what you want to do. Uh, whereas God says, do my will, love others, sacrifice for yourself for others, love your enemies. Um, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to make sense, though. Jesus commanded it and lived it out in his life. And if we are truly following him, then we need to imitate him. Especially when it doesn't seem to make sense. I bet Saul is thankful for Ananias. And I bet he's thankful that Ananias was obedient even when it didn't seem to make sense to him. Like I said earlier, you, not, you might not get instructions from God in a dream, but it doesn't mean you won't end up arguing with, arguing with him in your head or questioning him or debating him. You may question God and the instructions that he has in your life. We can see this from the interaction he has with Ananias. God is willing to listen to our complaints, questions, fears, and insecurities. Ananias stopped him and said, whoa, wait a minute, God. Um, I don't know if you know who this guy is, but he persecutes Christians. Like, He's been given authority to kill Christians on command, like if as soon as we speak your name, and yet we're dead. God says, go. I have plans for him. I'm going to use him. So we see that, and, and like a good, a good coach or a parent, he, he tells us to obey anyways. God says, you know, you don't have anything to be afraid of. You don't have to be afraid of being honest with God. I told God straight up I was scared to become the youth pastor here. I didn't know what it was going to be like. I had insecurities. I had doubts. And all my adult life, I've been told, this is what you're called to do. And I never really believed it. I never really trusted it. And uh, it took it took some time for me to actually grasp it and uh, and run with it. But I was honest with God. I told him, I was like, I'm, I don't think I'm ready. But here's the thing. God can handle hearing whatever is on your heart and mind. And he wants to hear it from you as part of your relationship with him. A relationship doesn't work unless there's communication, guys. Um, I have known this to be true 
with Amber and myself, if I don't tell her I'm doing something, it upsets her. Because she can't read my mind. Now, God is different. He knows all and is all. And, and is all but he still likes to hear it come from our mouth. That, hey God, I'm struggling with this. And we, and we uh, tell him our, our doubts and our fears and our insecurities. But he also wants you to be obedient. We don't know for sure, but it would seem like there wasn't much time for Ananias to process what God was saying or to change his mind or to tell him or to change how he felt about Saul. Um, there wasn't much time for Ananias to overcome his fears based on what he had heard about Saul for persecuting Christians and specifically for being on a mission to come and persecute Christians in Ananias' town. All we know is that God spoke to Ananias in his dream. Ananias argued his case with God. Then God told him to go anyways. And then Ananias went. So we see that Ananias questioned God. And even though he questioned it, God said, hey, I want you to go anyways because of this. And Ananias went and obeyed God. Now, I don't know if you have a fear of public speaking or any kind of level of nervousness that comes up when you have to teach or speak, uh, but everyone does, and I, even I do. Um, but we have to overcome that to be able to speak or teach. When I have met people who are famous, and I've met some pretty famous people, I'm uh, Charlie Pride. Texas country singer, uh, probably one of the best country, sing country singers out there, uh, Neil McCoy, Des Dickerson from Prince and the Revolution. Uh, I've worked with uh, a drummer from Phil Collins and Genesis, uh, Chester Thompson. Yeah, worked with some pretty big name guys. And, uh, you know, Rarely you, you get to talk with these guys, but you're a little bit nervous and a little bit awkward when you first meet them because it's like, oh, my God, this guy's famous. You kind of get starstruck, just like, ha, ha, hi. But I bet Ananias was a little bit nervous to speak with someone he had heard so much about. His voice might have been shaking, his palms probably a little sweaty. Knees weak, mom spaghetti. I'm sorry. Um his knees might have been a little unsteady, um, but Ananias obeyed God by simply telling Saul what God had said and then touching him so God could heal his sight. Most of us know much more about God, or excuse me, much more about what God wants to do than we actually obey and put into practice. And most of us know a lot more about how God and Jesus lived than we actually imitate in our own lives. If, it, if that's not true for you, then I suggest you open up the documents written, in John, written by John, one of Jesus' apostles, describing the life and ministry of Jesus. You'll learn from the, his example and teaching. Then you'll know what God commands. It would do us good to have a little brainstorming sessions 
to make up to make a mind map or a list of commands we can think of Jesus giving, or more specifically, all the different ways he challenges us to apply the one command of loving one another. Then look at the list and see how many of those we're doing versus how many of those we need to start doing. So if we took all the list of the ideas of what Jesus said for us to do and then we take a list of everything that we are doing, how would they compare? Or we'll see how many of the thing how many we are doing with people we are comfortable with versus how many we are doing with people who truly challenge us. So we may be doing all these things to follow God and we may be doing all these things to live a Christian life and imitate Christ, but how many of those things are we doing just because we're comfortable with the people we're around? And how many of those are we actually challenged and struggle to do those things because people, the other people around us challenge us? I want you to take some time today and think, And I want you to honestly identify which fears you have that are keeping you from obeying God. Now, for me, my biggest fear was I'm not good enough at this. I don't know enough about scripture. I don't know enough about the Bible to be a pastor. And I don't know. I, if a kid asks me a question, I don't have the answer. What do I say, God? That was my fears going into it. What if I say the wrong thing? And God God said, I've put people around you that if you have a question, you can ask. And if they ask a question you don't know, you get back to them. You don't tell them uh, something that you think it might be. You tell them, I'm not sure the answer, but I'll get to you with the right answer here as quick as I can. What fears do you have that are keeping you from obeying God? Do you have a fear of the unknown that keeps you from going on a mission trip? Do you have a fear of rejection that keeps you from sharing honestly about your church plans over the weekend with your friends? Do you have a fear of failure that keeps you from inviting someone to church? Do you have a fear of being made fun of that keeps you from talking to that kid about Jesus? Or is it some prejudice that you need to get honest about and overcome? Do you know that guy's reputation and, and think you would just be bullied if you tried treating him the way Jesus says we're supposed to? Or is that girl in your class already living a perfect life um, and it, she wouldn't seem to need Jesus? When we have a prejudice or prejudging someone, we are prejudging that person or making decisions before we really get to know them. Ananias had no idea what God was doing to radically change the life of Saul. From persecutor of Christians to becoming someone who helps others get to know and follow Jesus.
You have no idea what God might be doing in the lives of people around you. Who is the Saul in your life? You need to overcome fear and prejudice to treat that person the way Jesus commands and models. Imagine how different your school would be. Imagine how different it would be if the class bully became the class evangelist. Man, that would be just amazing, wouldn't it? Imagine how different your class would be if the most popular girl started pointing all of the attention she receives to Jesus. Imagine how different your neighborhood could be if you loved your literal neighbor like Jesus says we are to love all people. How many of you actually know who your neighbor is? I know for the longest time we never knew our neighbors where we lived at. Um, and I, I can tell you right now, it's something I never planned to do as a person who owns their own house. I plan to know my neighbors and, and invite them over anytime they want. Uh, because I want them to know that they are loved by a God in heaven and... People, people around them care about them and want to see them succeed too. Um, imagine if each of us who are watching this today decided to trust God and overcome our fears and prejudice, even while we have shaking voices, sweaty palms, and unsteady knees, in order to obey him and help others know more about Jesus and how to follow him. <coughs> Excuse me. The world is a different place today because God worked in, a, in and through Paul to help grow the church and give us all these documents, all these books of the Bible that help us understand how to live as followers of Jesus. But before any of that happened, a Christian one person from Damascus named Ananias quit arguing with God and obeyed him, overcoming his fears and prejudice to help Saul, the persecutor of Jesus. And he helped Saul become Paul, the follower of Jesus. We don't hear much about Ananias, but the story of Paul is incomplete without this not-so-famous guy. Without this guy that's mentioned three other times, this name is mentioned three other times, yet the story of Paul would not be written if it weren't for this man named Ananias from Damascus. We all want to be famous. We all want to have that insta-famous or the glory of multiple followers, millions and millions of followers on Instagram or Facebook. Um... But maybe our job is not is to be not so famous. Or the or the person who obeys God and is part of the great story that he is writing. As we finish today, I want you to think about this. One, we're we're not called to be famous all the time. Some of us are called to be huge evangelists 
And some of us are meant to stay right where we are, and we may only get to minister to one person, but that one person matters. But understand this, and I want you to think about this. What fears or prejudice do you need to overcome, or do I need to overcome, to obey God? What fears or prejudice do I need to overcome to obey God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you. God, we ask that all fears would be removed, that we would learn to trust you. And yes, God, we may argue with you about our direction in our life or the path we're supposed to take, God, but I ask that you would continue every day, Father, to lead us down the right path. And even when we argue that it's a quick, short argument and we, we end up obeying you, don't let us disobey and, and drag our feet for years on end, Father. Let, let us be obedient followers of you. Let us be like Ananias and share what God has done for us and share what God is telling us to do so that we may, we may encounter the next Paul, the next person to lead, in, lead in a revolution of the gospel. And Father, if that person's in our midst right now or we know of somebody who is struggling or who is a Saul in our life, may we be able to preach the gospel to them and not be fearful of what they might think of us, but that we would proclaim the gospel boldly. God, continue to use us every day. I ask you to strengthen us, mold us. May we imitate you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, just a quick announcement. Leaders, pay attention. This Saturday, August the 1st at 5 o'clock, we are doing a leaders meeting, um, and it's a refresher training course as well. There will be lunches served, or excuse me, dinner served, uh, but from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock, we're going to do some training. Uh, we're going to go over the guardianship stuff again. We're going to go over the sign-in systems that we started before COVID started, and we're also going to go over the little bit of protocols that we have to do for the season that we're in with COVID and, and kind of the, the guidelines that we have to follow or that we choose to do. Um, and students, again, this reminder goes to you. We are starting youth on August the 19th, which is a Wednesday at 6 p.m. Um, please, please, please try to get your parents to bring you to that service. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to run vans right away um but i will let you know as soon as i know something um but please 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 try to get your parents to bring you to church that day and pick you up from church um again august 19th is when we will start youth ministry back up and this saturday august the first we're having leaders training from five o'clock to seven o'clock um, other than that, those are my announcements for this week. I hope you enjoyed our week two of our not so famous series. Um, and I can't wait to see you guys. I, I'm, I've missed you and I know that y'all are ready for 
a little bit of change. Y'all have had the longest summer break and spring break that I've ever heard of. And uh, I'm just excited to see y'all's faces again. So with that being said, let's go ahead and dismiss this week. And then I'll see you guys again next week with our part three of Not So Famous. So I am blessed of God. I am called to bless others. I am who God says I am. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love you guys and I'll see you guys next week.